So I worked in plumbing. That was fun. I learned a lot. I worked in appliances. I can talk about washers and dryers and dishwashers. I worked in kitchen design. Now that was fun. But I was terrible at it. <laughs> but one thing that happened at the Home Depot, one of the challenges was the scheduling. See, they had a system that was trying to maximize efficiency, maximize profits, right? They're, they're, so the schedule only came out every two weeks. I had no idea when I would be working except for two weeks at a time. And when you're trying to plan, especially if you're trying to go to church, that makes it hard. And plus, you had to work a minimum of one day on the weekend but that was the bare minimum. Ideally, you were working all weekend, right? Like me, I'm a pastor. I work all weekend. Hold on a second. <laughs> I get another day off. It's, okay. it's all good, right? You know what? I'll tell you right now. Pastors are some of the biggest Sabbath breakers I know. And that's not right. That is not right. But I'll get on to that a little bit later. So, you know, this idea of Sabbath, this paid time off. It's more, it, it, it is important that we get that day of rest, right? Away from our labors. But it's more than just the rest. It's more than just sitting on our behinds. It's meaning and it's significance and actually it's impact in our lives and in the world are greater than just resting. Okay? First of all, <clears throat> I'm going to argue that keeping the Sabbath is about at least these three things that, I, that I've discerned. At least three things. And uh, my, I want to give a nod to, not just a nod, but give credit to uh, an Old Testament scholar and author by the name of Walter Brueggemann. He wrote a book called uh, Sabbath as a Culture of Resistance. Or no, Sabbath as Resistance to the Culture of Now. Okay. A lot of these ideas come from him almost directly, so I'm kind of your filter. But there are three things about Sabbath that I want to share with you. Trusting God. Sabbath is about trusting God. Sabbath is about resisting the culture of now. And Sabbath is also about healing for the world. Okay? Trusting God, resisting the culture of now, and healing for the world. So first, with trusting God, when we read the Scriptures almost from the very beginning, right up to the crucifixion and past, it, we see how authority works. We see conflict around issues of authority. Who's in authority? Who's in charge? And who do people follow, right? We know that Jesus and the fairies were constantly trying to figure out who was the boss. Are you really in authority? Because the Pharisees didn't want to give up their authority because they wielded Scripture to maintain their authority. But Jesus was like, hey, the Scriptures say this, but I say to you. Why? Because he was the one who wrote the Scriptures. Literally. I mean, he was the one for whom the Scriptures were written. He was the ultimate authority. He's God. So let's get clear about this. When we talk about God's authority, it's not just about religious stuff. Right? God's authority is not only here in the church, but if God is really God, God's authority extends 
to all areas of life, our finances, our politics, our work. God is God, not just God of the church, right? Okay. And then, from our scripture, we have another challenge to God's authority is Pharaoh. Pharaoh and the Egyptian gods versus Yahweh. Now, what did, um, what did the Egyptian gods or what did Pharaoh demand of his people, right? They wanted the Israelites not to go where? To go worship God. To go have a celebration out in the desert. Why? Because Pharaoh wanted to make storehouses to store his grain. He already had enough grain. He just wanted more. So he's like, build storehouses so I can put more of my grain in there and store up more. Think about one of the greatest achievements or wonders of the world, the pyramids, right? And what, what is the shape of a pyramid? It's got that wide base and it comes up to a little tippy top. But if you think about it in terms of a structure of a labor force, you have your cheap labor or Pharaoh's slaves at the bottom upon whom their economic and financial well-being depended upon, right? And Pharaoh at the very tippy top. And then you had all the middle people in between. You have your slaves, then you have your overseers, and then you have your managers and so on. And of course, the higher up on that pyramid you are, the more powerful you you get, you are. But the thing is, this whole structure is geared towards this constant restlessness. Work, 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 and it never ends. Even Pharaoh at the top was stuck with this restlessness because he was constantly having to tell people, do this, do this, do this. Right? Look at the back of your dollar bill. What's on there? Big old pyramid. But what about God in contrast? You see, Pharaoh, his legitimacy or his authority came from his Egyptian gods. And they demanded a constant production cycle. Keep making more. Right? And when you're not giving me what I want, what did Pharaoh do? He wanted them to make bricks without straw. To work longer for less. Sound familiar? Where have I heard that? Hmm. We don't want to raise the minimum wage. Or, you know, we're doing, we're trying to cut budgets, so we're going to actually lay off a whole bunch of people. Because we don't want to miss our quarterly bonuses. <laughs> Okay, I'm, I digress. Getting to God. Okay, so we had Pharaoh and the Egyptian gods. But now we've got Yahweh. Yahweh is not a consumer. Yahweh is a creator. In our passage today, Yahweh makes bread fall from the sky called manna. Nobody had to labor to produce it. All they had to do was gather it up. 
And everybody had as much as they needed because God was providing. Not only did God provide, God said, hey, you're going to have enough on that last, on the sixth day, just gather a little bit more and save it. So that on the seventh day, guess what? You get to rest some more. You get to rest. Your food won't spoil. You'll have enough to eat. I want you to rest. So, so Pharaoh's system, Pharaoh's system, uh, Pharaoh, hold on, let me, I lost my place. Oh, yeah, okay. Pharaoh's system has a voracious appetite. It can never be satisfied. There's always that desire for more, right? And when Pharaoh wants more, guess who has to get it for him? That's right, the guys at the bottom, the slaves. And everyone's on this cycle, more, 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 more. Whereas with God, it's like, okay, we have enough. God doesn't want more from us like that. God says, rest. And if you think about it, God set the, set the pace for us, set the standard. How? After creating all of the universe, after six days of creation and calling creation not just good but very good, God, who is almighty, God rested. Right? Did God need rest? Was God out of breath? No. But God was sanctifying that day of rest for us. So the question is, when we're seeking our daily bread, when we're wondering who to trust, whose authority are we going to trust? I'm going to encourage us to say, hey, our Sabbath is a reflection of our trust in God. Do we trust God to provide or not? Now, I'm not saying, hey, quit your jobs. God's going to provide. I'm saying we need to prioritize. Who are we going to trust, right? We, are, we can work hard. That's wonderful. We, are, we need to contribute. We need to be a part of this society, right? But we have to be shaped by God and God's priorities and not let the world's priorities overwhelm us. So trusting God. Secondly, resisting the culture of now. Earlier I talked about that pyramidal structure, the ceaseless demands for more productivity. And there was fearful hoarding, right? If you think everything, our resources are scarce, you're going to hoard for yourself, aren't you? If you think, you know, I know when I was younger, I don't do this anymore, except once in a while. But if there's like, you know, a pack of cookies and all my friends, you know, I'm going to make sure I get mine and then give each one one and hopefully I... <laughs> right? Because I get anxious over my cookies. But it, it, it's hoarding. So what do we have? I, b I believe that we live in a world where God created an abundance 
for everyone. There is more than enough. We, know, we hear this all the time. Like we actually have the capability to feed everyone in the world, and yet somehow people are starving. That we have more homes than we have homeless in this country. What is that? That's that anxious hoarding. Right? And to resist that culture when we Sabbath, we're saying, hey, we trust that God is going to provide for us. When we take that day of rest, we're saying, hey, I don't need to be working or doing X, Y, and Z to maximize my time and maximize my profits and squeeze everything out of everything I can. It's, hey, it's cool. I, I can work hard during the week, but this day is for me and God and God and me. To resist the culture of right now and now. I need this now. I needed it yesterday. All right. We're going to go on to healing for the world. So when you think about the world in its current state, think about the cycle of production and consumption. All right? In just very broad categories. We have the world, and it's got all sorts of natural resources, right? Wood, water, minerals, animals, vegetables. I mean, these are natural resources that God created. They're just there for the taking. In order to get those natural resources out of the planet, you need to have labor, and usually cheap labor, to pull them out. Think mining, right? So we're taking all these resources out of the planet, and then we take this, we use cheap labor to get it out, and then we put it into manufacturing where we get all sorts of pollutants and chemicals and use of fuels, et cetera, et cetera. So from the manufacturing end, they take these natural resources, these raw materials out, turn them into a product, and they're shipped to a store, a retail outlet where you have some guy named Kay trying to sell you a kitchen. Right? Who's underpaid and can't live uh, a planned life because his schedule only comes every two weeks. Underinsured, working like crazy, trying to get his kid into school, into this activity and that activity, and so on. So that's the retail. And then it goes to the consumer who purchases this, this product. And what do we do with stuff that we buy? We turn it into garbage. Right? And this garbage, which can't be put back into the planet anymore, goes into filling a waste dump. And, and these consumers, us, we work hard to buy more stuff to make more junk. And then we go, it's not global warming, it's not our fault. <laughs> but do you see that cycle? And then we start over again. It's a closed loop, right? Take the materials out, put garbage back in. What would happen if everybody took one day off from consuming and producing and all of that stuff? I don't mean all on the same day. 
How much fuel do we save? How much electricity do we save? How many materials are we not taking out of this world? Multiply that by a million, right? And how much time would we have to spend with one another, with our loved ones? Think how much that would lower anxiety in the world. So Sabbath can be healing for the world. Not just a day off. It's more than that. In Genesis 2, 1-4, the heavens and the earth and all who live in them were completed. On the sixth day, God completed all the work that he had done. And on the seventh day, God rested from all the work he had done. God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all the work of creation. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created. We're created in the image of God. We bear God's image. And in the Methodist church, we believe in sanctification. It's where the image of God shines through our lives more and more. And taking Sabbath is, is really allowing that image of God to come through us. That's one more way that, we can, that people can know we are Christians. Right? If God rested on the seventh day, shouldn't we also? And Jesus Christ says, Come to me, all you who are struggling and carrying heavy loads. I will give you rest. My yoke is easy to bear and my burden is light. He says, yoke. My yoke is easy to bear. What's a yoke for? You guys know what a yoke is? And don't tell me it's the inside of an egg. It, for plows, it's for labor, right? A yoke is put onto a draft animal for labor to pull something heavy. But Jesus says, my yoke is easy to bear and I will give you rest. Rest from your labors. So my sermon today is holy time, right? Holy is what? Set apart, Right? That's one way to define holiness, set-apartness for God. And time, time is what? It's a period of progress of our existence. So it's set apart, it's a, it's a period set apart for our existence. And how will we exist? Will we exist in the system that, start, that looks like Pharaoh's pyramid in anxiety and endless labor? without opportunity to leave and go worship God? Or will we rest to be in relationship with God and relationship with our neighbor? How can we get to know people if we're always on the go, always trying to get ahead? My brothers and sisters, Jesus is calling us to lay down our yoke and rest, to enjoy God's goodness and trust God's provision for our lives, to resist the immediacy and the anxiety of the culture of now, 
and to help heal the world through our rest. Let us pray. Lord of all creation, we pause before you today, laying our hectic lives on the altar before you. Summer's warmth and rest are almost gone, and our minds are turning to the times ahead. Students and educators are thinking about school. Farmers are thinking about crops and fall harvests. Business people are thinking about profit margins and quarterly reports. Politicians are thinking about elections. Retailers are thinking about the holidays. As we bow our heads before you, help us put aside today's worries and tomorrow's fears that we may worship and revel in your presence today. Amen.